Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, the home and one-stop shop for everything asset protection, legal, and business for real estate investors throughout the country. I'm here with my good friend, Philip Taylor, um, and we are going to be sharing with you a combo best deal, worst deal. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty enlightening for people about how the roller coaster of investing life can work and what do you do as a person while you're riding that coaster. Uh, so, Philip, thanks for coming on the show today, and uh, I'm really interested to hear about your deal. What what do people need to know about you to be able to, you know, get a scope of like who you are entering into this deal? Sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. First off, um, my name is Philip Taylor, but people call me PT because I started a personal finance blog called ptmoney.com back in 2007. Before that, I spent some time in public accounting. I am a CPA, still maintain that, but don't practice publicly. Uh, since 2010, I've been blogging full time at ptmoney.com and also running a conference called FinCon for other financial bloggers and podcasters. Um, and uh, around 2006, I got married. A year later, my wife and I bought our first home. Um, and that became a, a rental property for us eventually. And so I'll be sharing that with you today. But in general, uh, just a guy living here in Texas, kind of an average Joe that stumbled upon this uh, internet business you know, idea of blogging and podcasting and then turned that into um, other businesses as well with my, uh, with my conference. And so uh, happy to be on here with you today. Oh, and live in Dallas. Uh, my wife is here with me as well as three kiddos, young kids. Ah, that's awesome, PT. I, um, you know, I think it's always like uh, super great to be able to find like fellow Texans that are over here. I mean, we have so many awesome investors that are just, just here local. You know, when you get the national scale, it's like, oh, it's this guy that's from Idaho or whatever. But I finally got so many strong people here from Texas. So, uh, you know, Texas yep. pride, baby. That's what we're all about. That's right. Texas. That's <laughs> right. And, and we're living in Boomtown, it feels like. So there's probably a lot of people who are having success in real estate in this market, you know. Uh, it's huge. Uh, everybody, I feel like you can just throw money at stuff right now and, and people are making mm -hmm. money at it. So it's, it's pretty wild. So, so walk us through, um, you know, what's the 10,000 foot overview of what this deal was? Yeah. So like I said, my wife and I got married in 2006 that we rented for a while in a townhome community and we really liked those townhomes. And so we decided we would put some money down on buying one ourselves there. And so we had planned to, it was a new build. And so the idea was that we didn't have kids yet, but the idea was that, you know, this could potentially maybe be a rental property one day for us. So we put uh 20% down in December of 2016. Um, and then the build was going to complete in September of the following year. So we had to sit in our rental property for our, our renting for a while. And then, uh, that, that deal, the, the new build sale finally closed in September. And so we bought that for $205,000. We put 41,000 down or 20% down and we were happy to do that. Um, and then had some kiddos along the way. And in 2012 or 2011 or so, we decided we wanted to move to a, a different house in town. Uh, we had more kids, had three or two at that point with a third on the way. We wanted a yard, which the townhome didn't really have and just wanted more space and access to a better school system or another school in the system. And so, uh, decided to turn that property 
initially we looked at the selling property um, and just circumstances were that we, you know, we wanted to uh, not lose money. There was a little bit of a timing of the market there and I can share more details on that, but just from a 10,000 you know, foot level here, we ended up uh, turning that property into a rental property, bought a new home across town and we've been renting that home out ever since. And uh, it's been a very positive experience. It's cash flowed uh, on average about 4,000 a year for us. Um, and uh, totally happy that we've done that and just really, you know, excited about the experience with it and going forward. No, that's awesome, Philip. It sounds like one of those uh, classic situations, you know, where it's like markets are still going up, right? So you kind of just say, well, I'll just hold on to it and then we'll lease it out. What was that experience like becoming a landlord for the first time? Yeah, it was definitely scary. I'd read all the, um, you know, negative reports of landlording. Those seem to scream the loudest. Um, and, and so I paid a lot of attention to those, looked at the, kind of the warning signs, but I felt really good about our property that we had put, you know, 20% down. Um, but I was still nervous about it. And so my initial reaction was find, uh, find someone to help me manage it. Right. So find a management company to help me, uh, that, that kind of would help me get over the, the hump, so to speak of finding tenants, putting together a rental agreement and, uh, you know, collecting rent, which maybe wasn't necessarily a big deal, but just coming up with solutions for any kind of maintenance or repair ongoing issues. So, um, you know, those were kind of my fears and worries at first. There was also a little bit of a fear of I had just become an entrepreneur. And so I didn't know if I could go out and get a, a new mortgage and still maintain this, you know, that, that current mortgage. And so I basically have two mortgages. Um, so one of the things I did to help out the situation was to refinance the property before I moved out of it. Uh, this allowed us to, uh, lower the payment somewhat so that the cash flow would a little, be a little better and just give us a little more flexibility. And I knew that I was, this was my shot at refinancing that property. Uh, once I moved out, I felt like that was, that was something that would be harder to do later. And so I took advantage of that, but yeah, I was, I was, I was nervous about it. Um, but ultimately after a bunch of research and just kind of thinking through it and talking to friends about their experiences, decided just to manage it myself. And so I, I did everything myself from preparing it to renting it out to, you know, finding the tenants, everything. Well, how does this a pretty big jump, right? From going like, Hey, I'm going to hire somebody else. I'm going to manage it myself. Like, what is that? What are the, what gave you that kind of confidence? Was it really reading the books or was it really listening to your friends that had been experienced in that area? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a blogger. And so I shared all my information online I was shared that I was thinking about doing this, you know, and a bunch of my blogger friends who, uh, and people who were just commenting, following my blog, basically jumped in the comments and said, you need to really think about managing it yourself. It's in town, you know, just a couple miles away. Um, it would give you a lot richer experience, more, um, you know, prepare you for potentially future real estate deals if, if you kind of are heavily involved in this first one. And so, um, and as a blogger myself, I thought, well, that would lead to probably more better blog posts for my blog if I'm actually going through the experience myself and, and actually kind of be able to document the whole process. And so ultimately that's kind of what led to it. Just, just research confidence from friends and then ultimately the desire to own the whole process and understand it so that for the future, you know, I would, I would be better prepared. So really it's, it's a, uh, from your blog actually had like a community of people mm -hmm. that were supporting you and to like, how do you overcome like those pieces of it? If you didn't have the blog itself, would 
what would be like a secondary, is there a secondary community that would get, cause not everybody has a blog, right? So sure. I'm wondering if there's like a secondary community that like comes to mind for you. I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm like, well, maybe like if you have a really cool meetup group that you go to, you know, or, or where is that? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I, I have a buddy who's also into real estate. He's a lawyer here in town, which is an added bonus. And, uh, he, he had done a similar thing with his, his, uh, first property rented it out. And so I kind of talked, go to lunch with him, talk to shop with him. Also a website I always reference is biggerpockets.com. I love those guys over there. And, and that's more traditional real estate folks, but there are a lot of accidental landlords in there as well. And so hearing from their experiences was, was very helpful. Yeah. I'm really big on bigger pockets. I post up articles out there all the time. I love awesome. that community. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that's, that's great, man. So you get into, um, so we're walking through the stages of the deal here. So we got, you, you had that property, you bought your new property, you end up moving, you find a tenant, um, into that property. So, so far so good with that. Is it always just sunshine and rainbows with that, <laughs> with that property on that deal? Or, you know, did that end up taking a downturn? Yeah, no, actually, even at first, finding the tenant was a little a bit of a challenge. I mean, it didn't, it didn't take long, but I think just navigating the, the interpersonal meeting with people at the property, uh, checking their credit, things like that, that, that were things that I've never had experience with. So I did, you know, obviously did more research to figure out how to best do that. But, um, you know, so, so there were some tricks in terms of like, there was people who were, who were seemingly qualified, but then when I got their credit report back or their, you know, there were uh, bankruptcy deals on there. And so I had to kind of make a decision about, well, everything else seems to line up, but this person, you know, has these couple of things. And so where do I hold, how do I hold, what standard, I guess, am I trying to hold? So I think I had the problem initially of not really having a standard that I was going for. Um, and so ultimately I just decided, okay, let's go back to kind of going to reverse engineer this. So like, what's the actual standard I want for a person to live in this place? It's a nice town home used to be mine. I actually laid the floors down in it myself, glued down wood floors. So I want someone nice living in my place, you know, no pets, no smoking, the whole, the whole thing. So, um, ultimately I just decided to raise my standards as high as they could be and just say to heck with it in terms of if, if it's going to take a little while. So it did take a, it, you know, it took about a month and a half to get someone in the property. And so that was probably my first speed bump. Um, Along the way, I've had uh, people break the lease, um, although that was something where the communication was heavy the whole time so that I'll, I kind of always knew with the tenant that that might be a possibility. And so we just walked through that hand in hand together and dealt with that properly. Luckily, the, the property rents out really is rented out really well through the years. Um, we've certainly had repair and maintenance issues, which have popped up and always at the wrong time when I'm out on vacation or away for a conference, it's like the hot water heater's out or the air conditioner froze up and I'm in Portland or I'm in Florida somewhere. It's like, this is the worst time. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm literally three miles away from the place. <laughs> and all the repair and maintenance have happened when I'm, you know, five, 10 States away. But, um, you know, we've dealt with those. We've, we've, through the years found some local contractors that we feel comfortable working with. Um, at first I would try to go over and do a lot of that myself and I enjoyed that. Uh, but realized it was just taking too much of my time away from other businesses. And so probably initially spent too much time dealing with repairs and maintenance. Um, had a few hiccups with the, uh, like I said, with the tenant breaking the lease. Um, and let's see, you know, there have been some years where it was really lean from a cash flow perspective. It's only made like a thousand bucks. So when you look at it, that 40 grand I'd put into the house initially for the now payment 
was only returning me, what is that? Uh, something like 2% or something like that for on, on an annual basis. And so- Is that uh, hard to stick in a property like that and not just sell it when you're having cash flow problems with that? Well, um, initially it was those first couple of years. I thought I was kind of being, you know, foolish with this. And especially once the real, once the value of the property started bumping back up. So it was, it had dipped below a level of where I initially bought it uh, when I started to rent it out. So it made sense to rent it out at that point. But then when the value starts popping up, I start looking at uh, other options. But I really just like the cash flow at this point from it. it like I said, it, through the years, it's averaged 4,000 a year. And so I'm happy with that. And plus there's a huge tax advantage as well. I think that that advantage almost doubles when it comes to my, on the, or in other words, there's like a $4,000 loss from a tax perspective because of the depreciation or it has been the, the past few years. Um, and so I've got the loss going and I've got the actual cash. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, cash flow. Um, so, so it, so some friends who are really into real estate have talked to me and said, you've got too much equity now in this property. You've got to, you know, do a, uh, a refinance and pull some cash out of it and go find another deal. And I've I looked at that a little bit and ultimately I just decided I'd rather spend it, my time on my other two businesses that I own um, and not have to go look for new properties. Uh, just keep this one as it is, keep the cash flow going, knowing that I'm, you know, potentially, you know, could my money overall could probably be doing better elsewhere. Um, but it diversifies me. You know, I've got a tons of money in the stock market, um, tons of money in my, both my businesses. And so, um, you know, having, having a piece of real estate is, is cool to add to that mix. And it also uh, sounds like you love this house. I do. And, and yeah. we, and yeah, we, you know, we built it, you know, and, right. uh, we that's not going to be an easy one to walk away from. No, that's a, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Like I said, I put down the floors, um, yeah. which, you know, there's another little hiccup story that the property did flood this year. I can talk to you about that, but ultimately, um, we, uh, you know, we, we feel good about the property long-term because we might actually move back into it to, uh, to take advantage of, um, what's it called? The, I'm a CPA. I should know the, uh, homeowner exclusion for, it's like the three out of the last five. If yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So take advantage yeah. of that. You could just uh, 1031 it though in the same, if you want to buy more real estate, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Okay. So, but we, you know, we enjoy, we like this town and we could see ourselves maybe living there six months out of the year. Um, when our kids move out, of, you know, move out of this house, um, yeah, so into retirement, that could be a little little townhouse for us. So yeah, well, I don't I don't think you're selling that house anytime soon. Just looking at <laughs> why you describe it. Yeah, it sounds like you you decided you love this house and you found a lot of good reasons to keep it. I've always wondered about that. You know, like I want sometimes I wonder whether like the decisions that I make sometimes are like oh this really is like what makes the most logical sense or it's like i really decided that i really want to make this decision now mm -hmm. i'm going to find all of the reasons that support me in making that decision absolutely and it's tough yep. to know like which one i'm doing at any given moment right sometimes. right right i like being an i like being an owner i like being a landlord because the property is nicer we've always had great tenants um and so it's very, been a real joy other than the you know, occasional repair and maintenance or flooding. It's been a real joy to work on and to figure out solutions for and just work with the people and, and make it a whole positive thing. So that's awesome. Philip. Well, that is a, that's a pretty great best deal. <laughs> <laughs>
for what you have there because it sounds like it's something that's rewarding for you like personally as well as as being like a part of what keeps you in the property and keeps you investing you know yeah and and it's uh back to the blog i mean it's given me so much material you know i've written about i've shared the whole process and i share with my community an update every year about how the property is from a cash flow perspective kind of what my thoughts are on it where i want to go for you know forward with it when things happen like you know, I've had to raise the rent on my tenants, you know, through the years because property taxes have gone up now. I kind of share how I went through some of those processes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been enjoyable to own. Uh, but you know, I still feel that sort of underlying risk with it. Um, uh, but, uh, but it's, it's been certainly been worth it. No, that's awesome, man. Well, Philip, I really appreciate, uh, the, you know, what you shared with us today about like having your best deal is, is there anything that uh, that you've learned from any of any deals that have gone sideways on you with it, or is it really just this one deal that you have that's really your best deal? Because we talked yeah. about at the beginning of the episode, it's like, oh, it's kind of a roller coaster ride up and down. I think we got the the ride up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, can, I can, I can. There was a big down this uh, this spring. The, the next door neighbor, the the townhomes are attached to other units, and so this next door neighbor, no one had been living there for a bit. And one of the fire sprinkler pipes in the ceiling, um, burst. And so it completely flooded that house and then it started seeping over into our house. And so we noticed it with the wood floor starting to buckle up and bubble up. And before we could do anything about it, turn it off, the floors were ruined. And so it was a, it was a three month process where, you know, the floors were ruined. The bunch of the, uh, drywall had to be removed. The whole place, uh, had to be repainted. And then ultimately there was a little, uh, mold found as well in it. And so had to be pretty much quarantined off the tenant had to stay upstairs the whole time. Uh, ultimately ended up giving them a month free of, uh, had to end up giving them a month free of rent through the process. Luckily the insurance, uh, was able to kind of cover, 99% of it. And so, uh, ultimately I guess we did end up being okay with it, but you know, there was a lot of stress in terms of being over there on a regular basis, dealing with the tenant, kind of being upset, having to be upstairs the whole time. Um, and, uh, and just worrying about, could they fix this thing? Is the tenant, is the next door neighbor going to do this again? Um, you know, what, how's the HOA going to kind of hold them accountable, you know, for the mold issue, things like that. So, you know, that was a trying time and it always happens, seems to happen at kind of a, a time when it's inconvenient. Um, uh, so those things are, those things happen, but we just work through them day by day and maybe I just have the personality to just kind of roll with it. But, uh, how do you do that? I mean, a lot of people like that kind of stress level can be exactly the reason that they don't get into real estate at all. Yeah. Cause be like, Oh man, if that happens, like that's too much, I can't deal with it. So yeah. like, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you do to be able to roll with the punches, so to speak? I think my key is uh, just communication, just trying to be uh, open and honest with everyone I'm dealing with and trying to get honest and straightforward answers with everyone, whether it be the contractor, the insurance company, my tenant, just staying in contact and an open communication through the whole process. That itself is pretty scary though, right? I mean, like it can be. A lot of people, I feel like they kind of check back being open and honest because they're like, oh, if I'm really open and honest, these people, like they could say no or they can say things that can be hurt. Like, what do you... You just kind of go with it and be like, well, might as well be open and honest. And this we know where we stand. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I think it may go back to what you, how you kind of said, this is, I love this property, you know? And so this was my old home, you know, I raised my first kid here. And so, uh, I want to, uh, 
you know, I, I'm in this for the long haul, I guess. I mean, it's not a short term thing for me. I live across town from this guy. So ultimately he could, you know, everyone could help hold me easily hold me personally accountable as well. I don't have much distance from this investment. So, um, I think that's been a benefit is it's kind of forced me to kind of just jump in and be in with it and talk to people directly and, and, uh, and deal with it. And so, um, yeah, I think that's been positive in terms of uh, my own personal growth, but just in terms of making this deal kind of giving a long-term assurance for everyone involved, whether that's, um, you know, the, the companies I'm dealing with, with maintenance repairs or my tenant, uh, or even my insurance company, like, look, I'm, you know, this is gonna be my rental property for a while here. Let's all work together to make this positive and move forward. You mentioned, uh, like personal growth along with like owning a piece of real estate. Do you think it's pushed you in some ways to have to grow? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've spent many a, many a night looking up how to repair something on YouTube. So it's whether it's like personal like skill set and how to repair something or fix something or update something, uh, whether it's uh, how to, uh, you know, best define aspects of the lease or um, how to get people to, uh, how to, how to raise the rent on your tenant, like I mentioned earlier. So all these things, like just the knowledge I've had to pick up, you know, as being a landlord have been tremendous. And I've pushed through each of these like moments where it could scare me away or it could make me crumple and say, ah, let's just get rid of it. Or let's just do something different. It's always pushed me to have to learn something new or to have to talk to someone new or discover something or experience the bad thing and just say, man, that was tough. How can we do that better next time? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, I, I think if you have the opportunity to own some property, do something like that. It's, it's only going to leave you a better person on the other end, even if it's has a lot, even if it has some negative financial consequences, like I think you'd be a better person having done it. And I certainly feel like I am. Yeah. No. So like you're saying that there's, there's all these other upsides that aren't even financial. Sure. Yeah. Personal upsides. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. When, when you get into like those pieces though, like I think a lot of people like, 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 especially let's talk about like the raising the rent right? That's like probably everybody's number one fear. Like I'm going to raise the rent. They're going to be angry with me because nobody wants to pay more than what they do. I imagine that's probably out of all the things like that's a little bit different than like, Oh, I got to figure out how to replace an outlet with a YouTube video. It's like, <laughs> I got to deal with a person on yep. the other side of this that they're not going to like what I'm going to tell them. I already know they're not going to like what I tell them. All yeah. right. So how do I approach that problem? What, what, did, yes. you, what did you do with that? Yes. Yeah, so I, uh, I think it's always good to be in the Put, set the expectation, right? So every time the lease comes up, there is a rent increase. Like it's going to happen. Even if it's just 25 bucks, uh, it's going to happen. And so the tenant through the years, or where it's, whether it's a month, a month lease or six months or 12 months or 18 or two years like I have, they need to know that every time that comes around, it's going to increase. It's just almost like it's, it's like death and taxes. Your, your rent will increase as part of this process. And so in any way you can communicate that going forward, that that's going to be a part of it. Even if it doesn't need to increase, I would suggest even a $25 bump just to put them in the, give them the expectation that it's, it does need to go up. Now I've only existed in raising rent environment, so I don't know how that will uh, go whenever you know, rents start going down if they do. But so luckily I've been in that environment this past 10 years, but um, you know, so, so setting the expectation is one thing. Um, and then secondly, being confident if the rent is, does need to go up. So look at comps, look at what, you know, I'm in a town home so I can easily see what other units are 
going for in our place. And so I can see, am I at market? Where do I need to be? Um, and so you can clearly explain to the tenant, you know, this is a market that's going up and these are what, you know, comparable units are going for. And then, and then lastly, it comes down to expenses. So pro our, my property taxes have gone up. And so if you can just I explain that as much as possible to the tenant, yeah, they're not going to like it. But uh, again, if you set the expectation up front, that's just kind of part of the process, then I think, uh, I think you'll come out better. And, and if the market really does support it and the tenant, you know, bucks it and says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to move somewhere else. Well, then the market will support a new person coming in and taking over at that better rent. Nobody's um, leaving their house for $25 more a month because it costs you thousands of dollars to move. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's, that's a good, that's a good point. And even if they negotiate that down, at least you didn't lower the rent, you know? So if they say, Oh, $25 too much, I need to move. I say, well, okay, well, what if we just keep it, you know, at, at what it is. And if that's truly the market, then you, and if you're happy with that, cool. And then the rent didn't go down, you know, it stayed the same. So I've heard two different philosophies on that. One is that, um, what you're doing, which is like, I'm going to develop what we call in negotiation tactics, like objective criteria, mm -hmm. like the objective criteria of why I need to raise your rent is because there's comps in the area and my expenses both justify me needing to raise this. And it makes it a really strong negotiation position to be like, this is why we have to do it. And then other people I've met are just like, no, you just go in there like guns and blazing tons of confidence and be like, Oh, it's an extra 50 bucks a month, man. Because like, that's just, that's what I have to do to have everything make sense. Are you in or you out? And then like, they're like, Oh no, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Are you in or you out? And then everybody's like, Oh, fine. You know, I'll just pay it. <laughs> yeah. you know? So there's like two different ways that I've seen guys do that. And both of them seem like to be pretty effective, you know? Yeah. Um, I, 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 and I think the more properties you have, the more you can probably lean on that second tactic, you know, because it's a numbers game at that point, you know? Yeah. But if you got the one unit, like, you. yeah. Cause you've made yeah. it into, like, it sounds like you've made this into like a really personal thing. Like it's my house and I have a really personal and I have a personal relationship with the tenants and I enjoy that kind of like community that I built with it. So I want to make sure that this is going to stay really cool between us. And so I'm going to do right. all this research to make sure. And that's really different. I think when you have like 10 properties and you're like, Nope, it's just a number that I need right. to is that yeah. right? So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was like, that's yeah. where you were going, right? Yep. Yeah. That's exactly where I was going. Yep. And, but I don't want to give you the impression that I don't try to be uh, professional with my, with my landlording either. You know, uh, when I show, I, when I show them the unit, I act like, uh, you know, I'm the property manager at that point. And for, for all they know, I, I am that. And unless they ask, I'll tell them I am an owner as well. But so I, I do try to create a little bit of separation, a level, of, which I think everyone should do a little bit of a barrier between you and the tenant. Um, they don't necessarily know about my blog or, you know, the fact that I share all the financial details of it online. And so I try to keep some, some sep professional separation. I think that's healthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like some, some barrier between that, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough to say. I, yeah. I, I think that that's, um, that makes a lot of sense. Because there's like, there's some other, other there's some aspect into that where, um, I, I mean, like, I don't know, me personally, I, if I have that type of relationship with people, I want to be amicable with them. You know, like right. it's my natural kind of like way that I like to function in the world. I really don't like like really cold business relationships. It's not right. really what I'm into. Um, but, but that's also, you mean that also the more we do that, I think the more we limit like how, cause it takes a lot more energy to be like that level of connected with people. Right. Sure. And it's also more rewarding. So 
I mean, there's a lot in there. So uh, that's awesome, Philip. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that everything, you know, went sideways. Those are kind of like acts of God though, right? When the pipes burst and you, you flood the floor and then you're just like, all right, hopefully insurance takes care of it and just yeah. ride the, that whole thing. Yeah. And we'll st- still yet to see what, how rates go up on me, my, uh, my home insurance rates, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I haven't been financially damaged at this point, but it certainly time and expense was. was yeah. And they don't pay you for that. Time. That's for sure. No, 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 they don't, they don't pay for that. No. That's awesome, Philip. Well, and, and wrapping up here today, we like to typically have a, a lesson learned um, from the episode. And, um, so, you know, if there's one, something that you want the audience to walk away from, from hearing your story today, what would that be? Yeah. I would just say, uh, you know, if you're like me and you're contemplating an turning your home into a rental property, I would say it's, it's worth, for me, it's been worth the risk. And so I, I think, you know, I, I got over that hump, like we talked about by educating myself, by surrounding myself with people who had gone through it before. Um, and so really, really look at it cause it can be a life changing experience like it has for me. So, uh, don't, don't naturally be, obviously if you're listening to your podcast, you're, you're inclined that way, but, um, you know, take that chance. It's been worth the risk. And so I say, go for it. Yeah, man. I, I think I have to say like, that's what I think I learned from you today. Um, was about, uh, you know, it was about like, how, how are you going to go, you know, from, getting a community of information and people to help support you to take the next action steps. I think a lot of people I, I, I talk to regularly are high into information, right? They're really good information gatherers and they can source all day online on YouTube videos and articles and whatever, but that mm-hmm. doesn't normally translate into action. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's really neat about um, your story as I hypothesize, I'm not sure if this is the sure. case, if you would agree with it even. Um, so I'm interested to even hear your thoughts on it also, but um, was that there, I think there's actually something special in what you're doing around having a community of people um, that you are connected with, that you're discussing the problems with. So that way that's helping you to take action somehow to actually yep. move forward with it. Some people still get stuck there that they just get stuck talking to their friends and they never actually do anything with it. Um, so I was wondering if, if you would, um, you know, kind of help us through that, that journey of it that helps guide you to take action in that way, you know, cause yeah. it's like you're sourcing the information, you're connecting with the people and then you're taking the additional step. Like what allows you to take the additional step or what resources do you cultivate that help propel you in that direction? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, it comes down to accountability. And so when I first started my blog, that, that was one of the things I wanted to do with my, with my overall finances. And so once I decided to become a landlord, that just kind of naturally became part of what I was sharing and what I was putting out there into the world. So, uh, I would say for, for other folks, the lesson is, you know, even if it's not start a blog or a podcast, like we've done it, but find a way to put something out there into the world where you're sharing your experience, you're teaching what you're learning as you're doing it. Um, and, and then, uh, it will naturally be a thing that, uh, holds you accountable. And you can test yourself against so what other opinions are out there, what other people are doing, and kind of puts you in this space of, uh, you know, exposing kind of, you know, what you're doing out there and just puts you in a, to me, in a better uh, position to be challenged, um, to take on higher goals. Because once you see yourself knocking down things, you'll naturally put more things out there for yourself to go do. Um, and in the internet is a great way to basically create a circle of friends that are all heading in a direction you want to be heading to. And so I think that's what I've maybe done with myself was surround my, use the internet to basically surround myself with people who are all growth mindset, 
maybe had some rental property or just were financially savvy. And so we're moving toward a, a real positive place in that sense. And so it just, the natural gravity of that kind of took me with them. So find a way to do that for yourself, whether it's a meetup group, like you mentioned, or a Facebook group or uh, some type of blog for yourself, uh, put yourself out there and then find your tribe, find find that community of people who are going to push you forward. And so for me, that's, that's, that's been a game changer for my life is, is finding those people out there who are willing to have those conversations, willing to talk about these subjects that you may not get to talk to with the guy in the cubicle next door or your uncle at the family reunion as easily uh, because of taboos or just because of niceties or how your culture is. Um, and so, yeah, find the people who, who surround yourself with the people you want to, you want to be like, and you want to be moving toward. That's awesome Philip. And And if people want to connect with you, What's the uh, best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at PT Money. You can go to my blog, ptmoney.com. Uh, you can just email me, pt at ptmoney.com. And I also host FinCon, which is mostly for financial media like you and I. But uh, there's also a, what we call a community pass. And so if you're just interested in personal finance, investing in real estate, want to surround yourself with people like you and me who will be attending and just kind of, um, you know, nerd out about real estate and money for a few days. Come on down to Orlando. We'll be there September 26th through 29th at the Rose and Shingle Creek. And we'd love to have you. Uh, that's awesome. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in today. Of course, I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, with, uh, with here with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Um, I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, a one-stop shop for everything real estate investor and related for legal tax business. Anything you need, give us a shout. Um, and uh, I just want to say, you know, one last time, thank you so much for coming on the show. A uh, really great show and uh, thanks for digging into, you know, what it's like to be that new investor and, and conquering some of those fears with that. That's all for this best deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one. So keep at it. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.